I thought everybody was more engaged. Uh, it was pretty obvious, you know, our, just our level of uh, force and physicality um, was ramped up quite a bit, and it, it had to be. Um, you know, what, what uh, Boston did in the second half, you know, fourth quarter the other night, um, we knew we had to, we had to come with a, a much better focus and, and um, sense of, of aggression, and I thought that started right from the beginning. Draymond played a huge role in that. I think it was definitely an attitude adjustment. Um, you know, like I said, we, we didn't play with enough force the entire 48 minutes. We had spurts where we played with the right amount of force in game one. But overall, against a team like that, you can't let your foot off the gas pedal. All they need to see is one shot go in, and, and it can start a domino effect. And so uh, we knew, like I said last, uh, last game, they are who we thought they were. And so we knew we had to keep our foot on the gas pedal and not let up, and we did that, and we're able to come out with the win. You have to send a message. Guys, follow me on that side of the ball. If I'm not sending a message, then who's sending that message? So um, I, I'm not going to just come and sit in front of y'all and hold myself accountable and not back it up. You got to be about what you talk about, and I take pride in that. I'm just trying to play basketball, and I feel like that was an illegal play. Um, feel like they could have called it, but they let it go um, in terms of uh, a technical um, on either way. But I don't know what I was supposed to do there. Like some guy, he got your, they legs on, on the top of your head. Um, and then he tried to pull my pants down. I don't know what that was about, but, you know, that's what Draymond Green does. He'll do whatever it takes to win. He'll pull you. He'll grab you. He'll try to muck the game up because um, that's what he does for their team. It's not nothing to be surprised about. Not nothing I'm surprised about. He raised his physicality. Um, to try to stop us, and we got to raise ours. I'm looking forward to the challenge. <laughs> Has anybody ever tried to pull your pants down? <laughs> it's been a long time. That, <laughs> no, Has anybody, I mean, you know, typically <laughs> locker room prank reserved for elementary school? I mean, Usually it starts, stops around junior high school, at the high school, maybe uh, college, depending the on the circumstances. The little towel yeah, thing. You know. Yeah, that's by the way, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Yeah. He did not try to pull his pants down. Come on now. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he like, did. Yeah, if you, if you, if you, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He, oh, my God. No, okay, we saw he this. Had his, oh, my. Never, never ceases to amaze me how you and I could see the same thing you so didn't differently. See, you thought he was trying to pull his you, pants down? I, I wouldn't say that was the number one thing. No, the number one thing was, hey, he was saying, you know, the, he had the foot in the head. And then uh, Jalen did something, and then you can read Draymond's lips. He said, "Don't do that. Don't do that. And they, you know, yeah, don't do that." Yeah. So, yeah. so anytime, yeah. and look, there are certain things. You, you always talk about trigger phrases and trigger words. Right. Right. You can be you can be good, but right. another don't don't do that. Grown up, don't do that. Tells yeah. you not yeah. to do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't oh, do that. Oh, what you mean? Oh, don't wait, do that. Wait, wait, wait. What what you words? tell me don't do that. Growing ass do man, that. no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll do whatever. And you know, and just just as an aside, because we're gonna get to this. Just as an aside, you know, I've noticed this too. One of the things that people do, because I do it, I do it, and 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 when it's done to me, I hate it. When people are driving by, and it's like a residential neighborhood or it's like an area, be like, yo, slow down. You ever do that? Hey, hey. Hey, so oh, oh, when they're, when, they're, when they're walking and you're driving, yeah, yeah. no, no, or yeah. or when I'm when I'm walking, they're driving, and they're speeding. I say slow down, but yeah. it happened to me 
Right. I right. was like, you don't like it. You don't like it. Like, like, I know how to drive. I know hold how to on, drive. Hold on. But I was going to. No. Fast. The, I other, the other one. I was going to. The other fast. one. Okay. Sidebar. Okay. We'll get back to the game in a second. Sidebar. We'll with, get back with, to it. We'll get back but, to it. Okay. But it, ha- it happens in marriages a lot. But it's another trigger that will that will cause a fight. It is counterintuitive. But when somebody tells you to calm down, like oh, when you're getting into it, they'd be like, "Hey man, oh, yeah. calm down." Hey man, don't tell me to calm down. The opposite happens. Don't call me. Now you got to take it up I another know. notch because you told me you to calm I need, down. Do I need now you to I got tell to turn me to up. calm down? Now I got to turn up. I am calm. I'm calm. I don't need you to tell me to calm down. Yeah, you I'm know? calm. You calm. My wife, will, my wife will do that. She'll say something, and then we'll get into it. And she'd be like, you don't have to be so aggressive. I'm like, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to pick a fight. And then when I respond in kind, now you want to tell me that I'm being aggressive. Now I'm the, now I got to, now I got the anger management issues. You know? It's like, like why Mike, are you being so why Mike, are you so doing, mean to me? Like, I'm not being mean. Mike, Mike, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. And speaking of doing too much, that's Draymond Green. I mean, yeah, he's you the knew president. That he's the coming. president of that club. He invented that phrase. You knew that was coming. It was coming. You could see it as soon as the, the, the horn went off after Thursday night's game one in which Golden State had control of the game and Draymond just mentioned, they've mentioned it many times, they had control of the game for, you know, 40 minutes, roughly. And then it just, it just went off the rails. It went off the rails and the Celtics hit everything. They hit everything. Yeah. They steal. Yeah. They truly steal Game one, they go in the fourth quarter down by double digits. They win by double digits. And now no, going into game two, as Steve Kerr says, hey, they, they, they had to. They had to win that game. And so right. I told Adonde on Friday. Uh, oh, no, not on Friday. What, Wednesday, Thursday. One of the, Thursday. the day I talked to Adonde. Yeah. Thursday. Thank you. Uh-huh. Somebody say Thursday. I talked to Adonde on Thursday, and I said, look, I'm going to write I'm gonna a little post-it note. I'm going to write on a post-it note, series dynamics. Because in these long series, each game, we kind of overreact to what we just saw, and we think that's going to yeah. continue into game three. They I'm not doing it. Yeah. I, they are, and I'll give Golden State credit for two things. Well, I'll give Golden State credit for one. I didn't think they could play at that level of – I didn't think they could be that physical because I don't really look at them as a physical team. I look at them as a talented yeah, that's team. That's a mistake. I look that's at them – well, I don't know. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised. Uh, they've been, they've been, they've well, been hey, one of look, the best defensive teams in the league defensive. all year. Yeah, defensively. Well, I, I, don't know if you, yeah. I don't know if you could be a great defensive team without having at least some level of physicality. It doesn't mean you have to be the bad boys, Pistons. I but I, I think you got to have some level know, but, of force, and Draymond, Draymond is that force. But didn't Draymond tell you, though? Draymond just said that. He said, look, if – and it was a rhetorical question, but we, he knows we, we got the answer. If I don't send that message, if I don't set that tone defensively, who's going to do it? And that's what—that's my point. Who's going to do it? I, if I go individually, I don't look at Steph that way. I don't look at Klay Thompson that way. I don't look at Jordan Poole that way. I don't look at Andrew Wiggins that way. Uh, Looney, probably. Looney, I guess. Otto Porter, no. I, you know, I'm just saying, like, their team, that's not necessarily something not that brand. I assign to them. It's not their brand, yeah. but it is is—it is an aspect to, to their personality. It's no different than somebody being a nice guy but having a mean streak. And Draymond is the embodiment of that mean streak. They can win in a variety of ways. But going back to overreacting for a second, I just want to, like, turn the page on Draymond avoiding that second technical. It sounded like you thought he tried to pull his pants down. I thought he was just trying to get up. Uh, and he just well, it didn't matter that, what he grabbed to get up. He wasn't, he wasn't was literally on, trying to, like, show his draws. 
Maybe on the margin. On the margin. Did you think that, that wasn't warranted a technical? Did you think that that? Did you think that that? Did you think that that interaction in general, regardless? They, yeah, he's trying to pull himself up. He's not trying to pull his pants down as much as he's trying to pull himself up. But regardless, Draymond at that point already had a technical. Did you think that he should have been assessed? A technical as part of a double technical and therefore ejected. Yes. I was happy to see them yes. let that go. You did? No, I, no I'm not. See, I, I, I hate that. I hate that logic that they applied there because that they didn't want to throw him okay, out. Okay, that's not your job. Your your, your job is not to uh, is is not to as an official to figure out. Hey, what do people want to see? Or he's already right. got a technical. Hey, listen. You gave him a technical in the first place. Why'd you give him a technical in the first place? Did you think that was misplaced? That you gave him the technical? You gave him the technical because you felt like he was on the edge. He was going too far. He was barking too much, doing too much again. So if you gave him a technical earlier, why should you then come in and say, oh, wait a minute. He's already got a technical. Yeah, because you gave it to him. You thought yeah, it's, not your job to pro- it's not your so, job to protect yeah. him or to protect the warrior. Yeah. The integrity so if you gave it to him the first but, time, why, why wouldn't you? This is, you know, this is don't a be, but, textbook. But, but you know, you, so you're disappointed, but don't be surprised, though, because it's like oh, that's the way surprised. it's always it's been done. Okay. Yeah, well, that's the I, way it's but, but in that, but that's But honestly, it's the wrong thing for the right reason, okay? You know, I love that scene in Good Times where the, yeah, where the dad, yeah. the neighbor, he, st- he stole the TV and says, sometimes you got to do the wrong thing for the right reasons. It's like, look, it's I, it, by the letter of the law, yes, that should have been a double technical and it should have been ejected. And who knows how game two goes as a result. But based on the way that traditionally high stakes games, finals games are officiated, you got to do a whole lot to get that second technical. And Draymond knows it. And that's What's the, the point. difference. Like Draymond, what do you mean? Why give him the first one? I'm saying, well, what, well okay. Then no, if, the if you're going to apply person, that, but I say if you're going to apply that standard, apply that standard. Apply right? it to the you first know, one. If you're the official, no. Yeah, say, no, hey, you got to do a whole lot to get a technical. I'm not going. I warn you, hey okay. guys, hey, cut it out. Right. But that was, that was okay. the warning. But the second one, the, the, the second one comes with the ejection and they know that and they really don't want to eject Draymond or anybody else. I don't think put it this way. I'm gonna just say this in case it's the elephant in the room. I don't think Draymond Green got preferential treatment. I don't think the Warriors got preferential treatment. I don't think the officials are sitting there saying man. He's a star player. This is anybody else. We kick him out, but Draymond Green nah. because you know what it I would say I'll, I'll venture to say this. I'll go out on limb and say this. The last person the officials want to give the benefit of the doubt to at this point is Draymond Green. And I'm not somebody who gives the benefit of doubt to Draymond Green. Like Draymond Green has been doing the most for a long time. I was hard as hard as anybody on Draymond Green when he went through that nut kicking phase a few years back. And of course, famously yeah, yeah, got kicked phase. out of the NBA Finals, right? Get him out okay. of that. So get him out of that. So it, that little phase. That's so in this phase. instance, I don't think they were giving him any kind of added leeway or benefit of the doubt. I think that's just the way it's always been done. With that first one, okay, got, hey, knock it off. What you've done up to this point is enough. Be quiet. That second one, you got to do a lot to get kicked out of an NBA Finals game. Short of throwing a punch, you got to do it a lot. Do a lot, and that little skirmish, okay. that little get my get your legs off me. Don't do that. Put that's come on, man. It's fine. They broke it up. Everybody chilled out. It was over. It did not warrant a high stakes technical that would have resulted in a whole ass ejection. He's done a lot of ejectionable okay, things before. That wasn't it. Okay, but if you're gonna if you're gonna say that, I know if I'm any other team, you know, if I'm the Celtics. Or next year's finalists, uh, next year's participants. If that's the way it's going to be, 
then what I'm going to do is I'll get myself a technical and if I'm not going to be held accountable for the stuff that I do, then okay, I'll, I'll push it. I'll push. I'll keep pushing it because you what you're telling me is that I'm not accountable for my actions, even though my actions are probably illegal. But you my actions the NBA. are. I, didn't last night wasn't that consistent with how that situation is typically handled? Yeah, and, wouldn't it, you say? And, and I know it, and you're right. It is consistent with how it's handled, and it's also my biggest problem with the league. It's been a problem with the league since I've been covering. It was since I started covering it in 1990 something, 92, 93. I just always felt like the officials at times had credibility problems because they wouldn't call what they saw, or they wouldn't call what we all saw. And they had this whole unwritten code, this little wink wink with players and coaches and and New York. And so things that should have happened would not happen. Uh, so I like, yeah. for example, I saw this and it here's, and here's a great thing. It's great because it was a game where I got to see Michael Jordan in person. I, start, I just started covering. I was I was a sidebar guy, Mike, uh, covering the Cavaliers and the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals 1992. And it was Danny Ferry and Michael Jordan. And Ferry like pushed Jordan. He pushed him. And mm-hmm. and, and, and Jordan like went back. <laughs> he cocked back. Uh-huh. And he was like, no. Ugh, ugh, right. Ugh, I'm not gonna right. do it. He said, right. and then after the game, he said, look, it's a good trade-off for them. It's a good trade-off. Right. They want me, me out. Kicked but out. they didn't even give right. me. They didn't give him nothing. They didn't give him a technical. Nothing and like anybody else. Come on, man. Like you, you about to punch a dude. You about to punch you a dude. Get a technical, you don't game. get a technical for ifing at somebody. You get a technical for swinging. You, you don't get a, uh, You get ejected for swinging. You don't get a technical for okay. ifing. I guess you, you still you call know. it ifing. All right. So what did Draymond no, get a technical for barking? For he was barking and I, it, there, there were nose to nose, and then he had to he had the fist up. So what did Draymond get the first technical for yesterday? Pretty much nose to nose, barking, yeah, you know, yapping, yapping, yapping. All right, that's enough. Technical. If you're going to give a technical, I'd say either change, change the logic, or change the rule. Say in, in yeah. the in the basket in the NBA finals, it's not going to be two technicals and an ejection. I, or I, I think it's got. It. We're just we going to slow down on the technicals. No, I I think I think officiated like a human being and I, and I mean that by like it's not robots like it's a feel thing and listen there is a line and Draymond as he know because Draymond basically has repositioned the line he knew where the line was and he knew how far to go which is why he just went over there and shut his mouth okay but in that instance I think officials have I, you know Michael you know I'm sick of this whole the previous players under review Previous incidents under like every yeah. damn thing gets reviewed Man. for a flagrant. They're reviewing for a technical. Was Jordan Poole protecting himself or was he trying to trip white? I mean, it's like, come on, man, like just officiate the game without all of that, all of those crutches. So for me, I like that it was like, hey, it's it's the finals. Stakes is high. Okay, it's intense. Okay, Draymond had his legs on him intentionally or not. Jalen Brown didn't like it. Don't do that. Getting up in each other's face, separated. It's over. Everything does not need to be assessed. A technical, it was, a flagrant, or a flagrant two. It's over. Fair. Move on. Okay. So in the time we got left in this segment, let me ask you this. So it sounds like, it sounds like you're still trying to, just like the teams, are still feeling each other out because both games are its own distinct stories. 
Have you gotten a feel for this series yet? You like, yeah, I, I believe Boston's going better. in, you like, you like yeah, Celtics in five or six going in, right? I think, uh, Why yeah, is Boston right. better? I think Boston. Why? I think they're a better, I think they're a better team. I think they have, I see, I think their style of play fits. And see, that's why you said it's over. That's why I was shaking my head. When you said, hey, they, and they go back and forth, they start barking, and then it's over. No, it's not over because if you're going to let Boston play that style of, like, I think that style of play benefits Boston more than Golden State. If you're going to let, if you're going to let it be physical, and if you're going to call it on those terms, then I think advantage Boston. Boston so is a saying, defensive stop, team. So you're saying, so you're saying styles make fights and Boston is better suited for this kind of fight. Not necessarily the better team, but better well, suited for both. this kind of matchup. I think both. Okay. I think I think I just they're I think they're I think they're a better team than the Warriors. And what's really driving me crazy um, is uh I won't say it that way. It's Monday. I'll say I'll say it differently on Thursday, but on Monday I'll say the the connection <laughs> the connection between um uh, the Golden State for the first Golden State Championship in 2015, the description. Mm-hmm. First championship in 2015, and the way they're talked about now, it's it's almost as if people think that this is the same team. I, I, I I'm just this is not a great, this is not a historically great Golden State team. I, I'm just getting tired of that 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 uh, narrative. And that Boston description. Is? No, no, why no, that make no, them no, worse? no. Why does that make them worse? Than, that, even if they're not historically no. great, why does that make them worse than Boston? They well, have because let's go down. Way, let's go down the list. If you say it that way, well, no, let's go down. But if you say it that well, way, but see, that's like intentionally. That's intentionally like like uh, you know getting under somebody's skin where you have two. No, finals I'm not. You say you say they're the better two team, out of but 30, they're not historically out of 30 great. Teams, out of 30 teams, two out of 30. If I say one team is better than the other, then you, I guess technically no, you're correct I, by saying no. No, no, I, I'm going. I'm going off of what you just said. Like you said that Boston is the better team, and your sidebar was, and your sidebar was that Boston's yeah, style that is also better suited to this matchup. But in addition to that, but most important, Boston's better team. Then you said Golden State is not historically great. I'm saying they don't have to be yeah, historically I, great to beat Boston, especially yeah, if yeah, Boston I know, but, but is I know not. That was all, a parent, but that's an aside. That's oh, that's a, a little note. Okay. That's a little notation. Fair enough. That's a little. That's Fair a raise. Enough, but, Raise number number two. Raise what, what maybe, a little, what, little notation. Well, maybe that triggered me to wait, calm down, or don't do that trigger me because I don't I don't yeah. agree. Let's just, I'll, I'll just get to the point. I don't agree. I think Boston's been you the better team in two great? games. No, no, not about that. I'm talking about Boston okay. being the better team. The better team. Boston's okay. been the better team for one quarter, one historically great quarter. That's what Boston's been the better team. Meanwhile, through two third quarters, Golden State has blown the doors off of Boston. Golden State has been, I would say, the better team, the more consistent team for the most part through two games. Small sample size, but two games nonetheless. Right. Boston is going to have a hard time beating Golden State if Boston keeps beating itself. 15 live ball turnovers last night. We talked about this going in. Both these teams Some can stupid, get sloppy yeah. with the ball. So far, it's yeah. been Boston by stuff. far being a sloppier team with the basketball. And again, I'm not taking anything away from that ridiculous fourth quarter they had on Friday night, okay? But last night, what happened? Al Horford, Derek White, and Mark Marcus Smart and Grant Williams didn't go off, which is closer to the norm than the fourth quarter of game two of game one is. Like the, to me, the better team and the more talented team is Golden State. 
The only way no Boston way. will win, the only way Boston will win mm-hmm. is if Boston plays as the more connected and more disciplined team. And so far they have not been. So far they have not been. Like they can't stop they okay, we, we this ain't even an argument, right? The best player in the series is Steph Curry. Okay, Jason Maybe. Tatum's had his had his moments as a distributor Maybe. and he scored better, best but career. the best player in the series is, is Steph Curry. Okay. He has played last like it. night. He's got the best career. He's been the best player through two games. He was okay. the best player through two games. Okay? Through yes, two he games. Is. He's a, he's a yes. leader for finals MVP, provided Golden State wins. The most impactful player in game two was Draymond Green. Clay Thompson ain't even gone off yet. I'm not even going to assume Clay Thompson going to go off before the series is over. So let me just set that yeah, aside. I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going yeah, to play that game. Right. You know what they say? Oh, well, Clay Thompson is bound. Up. Nope, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do that. Okay. Right. Jordan Poole played better. Okay. Jordan Andrew Poole Wiggins great. has has had well, yeah, well, not great, but better than he did in Game One. Andrew yeah, Wiggins I mean, has had like, his moments. Gary Payton came back. Even, I I, yeah. I feel like Golden State has more guys that are more likely to consistently contribute, if that makes sense, than Boston is. Yeah. Consi- consistently contribute but, uh, you know, but, Does that make sense? But you mentioned, you, well, I don't know. I mean, you mentioned, let, let's, and, let's and, go and, and away I say all from, that, sorry, I say all that to say Warriors in seven, which I said to, at the beginning, Michael, is, is essentially a coin flip. I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect or diminish Boston by any means. Because I'm, I'm not, I'm not overreacting like you said earlier. Because this ain't even got to Boston yet, and we know how Boston responds to losses. Although they have struggled at home, but this not to diminish Boston. I'm saying I disagree that Boston is the better team. If I had to pick which team is better, it would be Golden State. Sorry, I would saying. say this. Um, I would say you got to go to the stars as well. So you said it's not sustainable. You know, Al Horford, and I thought it was a strange comment too from Draymond. I, I guess I got some, a lot of disagreement with Draymond and his basketball analysis. You know, after Game One. He says, well, hey, you know, Al Horford and, and Marcus Smart and Derek White, you know, make make 15 threes. And he kind of, you know, he was like, come on, that ain't gonna happen. Look, it's not like Al, Al Horford is a good three point shooter. So it won't happen because you gonna do something about it. Or you're saying it won't happen because if you leave this dude open, he ain't gonna make threes. He'll, he'll make threes. He's a three point shooter who also can do some work in the post. Marcus Smart is, is a little more smart and white are more inconsistent with their three-point shooting. Sometimes they hit them, sometimes they just don't. Both about 32, 33% from three-point range. But I would go back to the start. You say game one, that fourth quarter is not sustainable. Maybe not. But in that game, Jason Tatum was like three for oh, 17. Right. He was a facilitator. Okay. So, facilitator. so that's yeah. not the norm either. So it, 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 two things happen in the same game that are not the norm. On one hand, they couldn't miss in the fourth quarter. That's not the norm. And then Jason Tatum, first team all NBA guy, couldn't make a shot, couldn't buy a bunny, and wound up with 13 assists. I think if you all, if you just mix it out, and like role players won't always play well, it's up and down there. Go to the core of the team. You just go to the, what the team is about, what they're known for, what they can hang their hat, their pants, uh, their shoes on. I, I, I I, I think Boston has a better. I like Boston's vital signs. I like Boston's makeup better than Golden State. So I'm, 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 I'm not gonna call you. I'm not gonna call you a six. homer. I'm not gonna call you a homer. That's all right. I'm not gonna call I, you. A I homer. know Boston better than Golden State. Okay, I, that's well, fair. and I was. Oh, and I, well, that, what I, well, as close to what I was gonna say, I was gonna say I feel like you're underestimating Golden State. Shockingly, yes. Which nobody does. I, that's what I. That's what I. Yes. That's my takeaway. Well, I feel see, like that's what I like, can't stand. You're not giving them their just due. Oh, you're I not giving that. them their just due. 
Nobody does because this team has been the six championships. No, in no, eight no, I'm years. not saying that. No, I'm not saying that. No, usually Golden State is overhyped. If anything, I've never seen somebody underestimate Golden State's capability. The overhype is bothering me. It's getting to me. Maybe there's something it's to too it. Much. Maybe they've it's earned too much it. Ride. Steph was um, breathtaking in that in that quarter. Um, not just the, uh, the shot making, but uh, the defensive effort. He just doesn't get enough credit for his level of uh, conditioning, physicality, uh, and uh, and defense. Uh, you know, people people go at him to try to wear him down because they know how important he is to us offensively, and. Um, Pretty dramatic. The difference in Steph's um, strength and, and physicality in his body now than uh, from you know eight years ago when I first got here. So, the guy's amazing. He just keeps keeps working on his game, his his strength, his conditioning um, year after year, and uh, it's a, it's a pleasure to watch him play every night. I think this year. <clears throat> There's definitely a need for me to be aggressive throughout the game to create, draw attention, get shots up, and you just continue to apply pressure. Obviously, these first two games, it's, it's going well. I don't know what it'll look like on the road and the rest of the series. It's just always about being confident with the ball in my hands and make plays. Get that, Michael Holly. Steve Kerr was talking to you. That part about doesn't get enough credit. Nate Duncan. Yeah, I heard him. NBA expert is here to, to make us just make us smarter. We were talking a bunch of nonsense last segment. We don't know what we're talking about. You know what you're watching. You know what you're seeing. Uh, help me help Michael Holly understand just how good, if not historically good, just how good Golden State is. But I don't, I don't want to taint your analysis. What's your takeaway from these first two games? What kind of feel do you have for these series, uh, for this series so far in general? Well, at the outset, I picked Boston in seven. I thought it was going to be very close. I thought that Boston's athleticism was going to make the difference. And I just wasn't sure whether Steph Curry was still that guy that he was, you know, three or four years ago. You see it in terms of the numbers that Golden State puts up when he's on the floor in these playoffs. They've been unbelievable offensively when he's been out there. But could he do that against this Boston defense? with the great switchability, the great athleticism on the back line. And he has, he has been able to do that. They have a big problem with him schematically through these first two games where they don't have an answer to contain him. And when he's been on the floor, Golden State is scoring basically at what would be a league-best level in the regular season, which is incredible for a 34-year-old. He's able to beat Grant Williams and Al Horford. And obviously the drop coverage didn't work in game one. So... That is my biggest takeaway from the first two games is that Boston, as great a defense as they are, I'd say an all-time level of defense, may not have an answer for Steph Curry if he's shooting the ball as well as he was these first two games. And what do you think, um, what do you think the adjustment will be? Or is there no adjustment uh, for Boston? You know, going back to the guard, not that that's some magical answer, just switching the location they got a couple of days to think about it uh, before Wednesday's uh, game three. What do you think they might try to do to kind of mitigate Steph's greatness? Yeah, well, we've seen a, a number of aspects to this playbook over the years where 
a lot of teams have said, oh, we got to just put two on the ball in pick and roll uh, out top. And that's never where you want to be starting your defense, double teaming 30 feet from the basket because that opens so much up. Now, Boston, maybe they feel, especially if Robert Williams is available, that they can just defend that four on three out of that and make Draymond Green try to finish at the rim. You know, that's something I might try maybe more if Robert Williams is out there and feeling healthy, which as we know is a question mark now going forward. I think they could try to keep switching, but say, hey, we're just going to run step off the line. You got to make him go right because he loves to shoot the step back going left at this point in his career. Get inside the arc and then say, we're going to play out of that. We'll help. And then we'll rotate out of their shooters. But what they've been doing so far has not worked amazingly well. And there may not be a, a great answer to Steph Curry. Everyone has tried. This has been probably the number one schematic problem for every team in the NBA since uh, about 2015 or so. Hey, just a little housekeeping, Nate. Uh, how'd you feel about the way the uh, Draymond Green, Jalen Brown uh, altercation was managed by the officiating crew in the second quarter? Well, I'll tell you what, man. Nothing gets me more excited for NBA playoff basketball than players getting kicked out of the game on a technicality that doesn't affect <laughs> anything. So uh, I really wanted him to be thrown out. <laughs> Appreciate that. Great, great delivery. Phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal delivery. Well, yeah, seriously yeah. though, like, like what is, what yeah. are you watching? If this is what you want to see, like, what are you watching NBA basketball for? Right? Like, oh, this guy took two steps off the bench. Yeah, let's suspend him for the next game. Like, all right, if he sprints into the fight and takes a swing at somebody, sure, suspend him. But if it didn't really affect anything, like, how does it serve anyone? Like, this is an entertainment product. Everyone is trying to make money off of this. We're trying to see the best teams and the best team on the basketball floor get crowned. It, who are these people who are like, get so excited about guys missing games on stuff that doesn't really affect anything in the end? The same people who call into uh, TV stations and with with golf. Hey, this guy, uh, you know, this guy had, had an illegal swing or he dropped the ball in the wrong place. But I would say, as I said to Mike earlier, if, if that's the way we feel about it, and I think that's the way we do feel, then change the rules in. Change the rules. Like, uh, let's not have technicals. Let's not have two technicals and an ejection. Let's not have, hey, if you step away from your bench, you're going to have uh, you're going to there will be consequences to pay. Don't don't be so quick to call the first technical on Draymond and then come up with some logic that. Oh, you know, that's not really technical worthy. If that's not technical worthy, the first one wasn't technical worthy. So like d don't put us in position where we got to contort ourselves to make the entertainment go on as like we all wanted to. Uh, a very light push to the back to kind of get a guy's attention and let him know that you're not okay with the, what he just did. Like that is a, I don't think it's written somewhere that that has to be a technical foul necessarily. I mean, it, it, the technical foul has always been somewhat at the referee's discretion. There's, they've tried to make it more objective over the years with, all right, if you air punch at the official or you use magic words or whatever, you're going to get teed up it, the respect for the game stuff. But Part of why the technical foul exists is just for referees to manage the game somewhat in their discretion so it doesn't go totally off the rails. I like the NBA's approach better than college where a technical is two shots. And so it's just that's kind of part of how it works. It's like, all right, just, just don't go too crazy here. That's kind of what 
the purpose of the technical follows. And I don't think that that altercation between Draymond and Jalen Brown was something that like, oh, we definitely have to police this, right? Like, okay, if he shoves him or something, something that really could evolve into a larger altercation, then yeah, I think that's going to be an auto-technical foul. But I think the referees are within their discretion to not call that. I don't think that that's somehow going against what the league office uh, would want to happen. So the league office, the league office definitely wanted the opposite. I think that was the the, the, the conversation <laughs> yesterday. I, my my point. Well, uh, well I should say the the officiating, but, right? Like the, the right. officials' office, where it's like this is what the standard for a technical is, and you have clearly violated this, that standard. I wouldn't say that was necessarily the case in that situation. So Nate, I hesitate to come to this at the risk of overreacting to a 1-1 series when when both games are so dramatically different and Boston is stolen home court. They're obviously going back to Boston where they haven't been great and they've actually turned the ball over at a higher rate at home than they have on the road. Um, Having said that, and and tell me if this is because this is the way that I saw the series coming in and there's some confirmation bias going on here or is this a legitimate observation but for and that's a big but 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 for an incredible fourth quarter an all-time great fourth quarter, both in terms of a collapse and an explosion, I feel like Golden State has asserted itself as not, not only the superior team, slightly, but also, like, the, I think the experience is, is there. Like, Boston had to know that Golden State, and they did know that Golden State was going to be desperate, um, and they had to be greedy, and yet they still couldn't match Golden State's force. And it's almost like Golden State, that fourth quarter, if they it got their attention, woke them up, and I think they'll continue to control this series moving forward. Is that just me seeing it how I want to see it based on my prediction coming in, or is that a legitimate observation? No, I wouldn't say so at all, because uh, as you'll recall, I said at the outset that I picked Boston in seven, and I probably would lean towards Golden State at this point in time. You know, that first game, Boston had the third most efficient game anyone has had this season against Golden State's defense. And part of my theory coming in is that Golden State's defense is also really good. And I think that wasn't the case in game one, but in game two, Golden State, they stopped all the junk defenses and the zones and the box in one. And they also got Gary Payton the second back. And he played 25 really impactful minutes to me. And I think he was a big part when he and Draymond play together in particular, their defense is awesome. Every bit as good as Boston statistically this season and so my thought was that golden state would also struggle to score against boston's defense and as i mentioned at the outset that hasn't really been the case that steph curry has just been so good i think boston will defend better there'll be times when steph isn't going to hit about 50 percent of his three-pointers he's 12 of 26 so far in the series but i think going forward i'm not sure that boston has many answers to golden state's defense And Jason Tatum is 7 of 24 so far on twos in this series. And so once Golden State tightened up, stopped leading the shooters, I think they have a pretty good defensive formula. And, I mean, Boston, let's not forget, they're shooting the lights out from three. If that turns off a little bit, then they could be in trouble on the offensive end as well. And I think Steph Curry is going to make the difference in this series. So much can change, obviously. As time goes on, there could be injuries. I guess the other thing, too, is Robert Williams potentially not yeah. being able to contribute that much in the series going forward is another. I thought he was a key player, and so that that changes things as well. So, no, I, I think if I had to redo my pick now, I'd probably go 
Golden State in seven. That's where I was. Great. I feel better about my pick. Um, <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's get to a couple of let's get to a couple of uh, a couple of well, outgoing coach and an incoming coach, starting with yeah. uh, Quinn Snyder, who resigned because he thinks the Jazz uh, need a different voice. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is reportedly unnerved uh, by this change. I'm not sure why. It's like, well, you want to keep doing the same thing again, over and over, get the same result. But nonetheless, here's Quinn Snyder uh, from his press conference earlier. There's a lot of thoughts that, that come to your mind, and, and it goes to the same thing that I, I mentioned before. That you know, you you try to be introspective and analyze and all those things. And I just got back to the same place. It was just, it was time. You know, time for the Jazz to move forward. Time to meet for me to move forward. It just made the most sense to me. And you know, as I said before, I, as well as I can, or as much as I can, try to articulate that. It's not something that, that's easily done. All right, so look, Quinn Snyder, great record in Utah. Uh, obviously, they never won a championship, but a really high winning percentage. And he had a player, he has a player in Donovan Mitchell, all-star, who was a little broken up to see him go. What's next for Quinn Snyder, and what's next for the Jazz? Yeah, I think uh, to the first question, Quinn Snyder, this makes sense for him to leave right now. I mean, I think, number one, it seems like this last year was not fun. Uh, those, I don't think they. I don't think they would have fired him necessarily, um, but I do think that this was these last two years were the Jazz' chance in theory to be championship contenders. Now they really have a capped out roster. Rudy Gobert is going to get more expensive while he gently declines. Mike Conley showed really that he's not capable of contributing to a championship level team anymore this season, and they still can't stop anybody on the perimeter, and they had a pretty desultory effort in losing to the Mavs in the first round, considering Luca didn't play the first three games. So they're done as a championship contender. The West is only getting stronger. His brand personally as a coach, I think if he stays next year, even if he played out the last year of his contract before a coach's option the following year, I think he's better off just quitting now. And then maybe he can take a gap year or maybe a, a team will emerge right now that would want him immediately but I think to that point professionally for him sticking around was only going to make his future prospects worse and that to me not having talked to him but if I were in his shoes that would have been a big reason why I wanted to move on at this point and and then for the Jazz you know Donovan Mitchell is not happy I mean it seems like he's kind of got this doesn't really want to be the bad guy uh, persona here, but this is kind of laying the groundwork for the eventual exit. It seems like they've got the all-star game this year. They don't feel like they can trade Donovan Mitchell before then. I'm sure they're going to shop Rudy Gobert. I would be hard pressed to find a Rudy Gobert deal that makes them a better team on the floor to try to convince Donovan Mitchell to stay. And there just seems to be so much, smoke and rumors about him potentially leaving in a way that there wouldn't be for say Damian Lillard, for example, at this point in his career, that it just seems like this is all, they're going to be headed towards a a rebuild at some point relatively soon here. Hey, we are, we're running out of time, but really want to get your thoughts on uh, the future in LA. With regard to the Lakers looks a lot like the recent past judging by Darvin Ham's press conference attended by no, none other than Russell 
Westbrook. Uh, is a, a change in leadership, a change in voice, and let's assume for the sake of conversation, a healthy veteran roster. Is that enough to return the Lakers to contention? Can they seriously just run this back with a, with a different head coach with more autonomy and expect different results? You know, I, I think they can to some degree. I mean, I, we do, my partner Danny and I do position rankings for our podcast every year. And outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, we the highest ranked player at his position was Russell Westbrook as the number 38 point guard this year. Now, some people might say Westbrook should be a little higher, but hard to say that much with some of the lack of versatility that he has offensively and lack of efficiency. So uh, to me, the roster has to get much better before you even get into the fit issues with Westbrook and then also Anthony Davis has not been since the 2020 finals the type of top 10 and potentially even top five player that he was supposed to be so 38 year old LeBron James and you know the 15th best player in the NBA and Anthony Davis who's injured and in and out of the lineup like that's not getting you anywhere before you even get to the Westbrook problem and the lack of depth on the roster and the lack of assets and all that so to me I think the Lakers trying to move Westbrook at this point in time that's going to cost a lot of treasure you're better off using that trying to upgrade it another way or just holding on to it yeah. for now they got their 27 and 29 first round picks and let's see let's see at the trade deadline is Anthony Davis that guy again is it realistic for us okay then maybe it's worth trying to move Westbrook for some other pieces and try to just run back your 2020 or 2021 team around LeBron yeah. and AD Hey, Nate Duncan, that was a top five appearance, man. We appreciate the knowledge. Thank you so much. <laughs> hopefully the Lakers right, signed Ham with 38. four years in mind. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully they signed, Michael, hopefully they brought Ham in with four years in mind and not just next year, you know? Exactly. I like that hire a lot. Oh man, that's called season. Like, like McVeigh was not only ready, ready for his wedding day, but that is clearly a man who has wrapped California love in his mirror several hundred yeah. times. <laughs> so he was not caught off guard. Look at, look at, he's a rapper in his other life. Look like he, oh my God, that's how I imagine Sean McVeigh. <laughs> That's how that's that's how Charles Robinson would be. I, I that, that's how Charles would be on stage, right? Like you just that's how weddings. he was. That's <laughs> how you were you, at your wedding, right, Chuck? If you if you choose your wedding music, you should be prepared. You make sure you get some things in there that you know all the words <laughs> to, and then you can pretend like, oh, 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 you want you want me on the mic? <laughs> <laughs> he looked like he was I guess I can do a little something. Sean, I guess I can do a little something here. Yeah, he. He's not afraid of showing people that he likes to have a good time. There's no doubt about that. No, he's not. Well, look, he likes to have a good time. The Rams had a good time in the Super Bowl, and I'm wondering how they're going to fix this problem of being so successful. We already talked about Aaron Donald. <laughs> if they want Odell Beckham Jr. to come back, that's going to cost some money. Cooper Cup's going to need a new contract. That's going to cost yeah. some money. So, like, how how are the Rams going to be able to just navigate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a salary cap. Even if you say soft cap, hard cap, there's a cap. 
how do they navigate this and uh, and and put their same squad back out there? Well, I mean, they're going to have to pay top market deal, you know, for for Aaron Donald, for Cooper Cup. Um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is a little bit more difficult because they have to factor in how many games can he play for us. You know, um, where is he at in terms of you know he's going to have some financial expectations. Um, his medical is going to play a big part in that. They definitely want him back. Um, you know, but as far as Donald and Cup go, um, you know, I don't think things really, particularly with Donald, I don't think it gets contentious until camp shows up. You know, I think if this is even a situation where Aaron Donald says, you know what, mandatories, I'm going to go ahead and take those off. I think they would say that's fine. You know, we, we just got to make sure he's in here for, for full squads. Um, I think part of it is convincing Stan Kroenke that, you know, uh, we're going to lay out top market deals for these guys. There's going to be a ton of guaranteed money. We already have a ton of guaranteed money in escrow. Uh, we know that you have a $790 million judgment hanging over your head from the mm. St. Louis lawsuit. Um, but you're just going to have to dig a little deeper in those pockets because the Super Bowl window is right now. Now with Aaron Donald, like, I, again, we talked about this last week. I still think the deal that, that is going to have to take place to get this done is probably at $30 million mark. And um, what I'm interested in, though, is say he signs a deal, let's say it's four years, you know, $120 million, right? Say he hits that $30 million a year mark. Um, how much of that does he want guaranteed? And, and this is where I think Deshaun Watson's contract with the Cleveland Browns starts to play into some things. Because I think that you will see quarterbacks now demand as as much guaranteed. I mean, they're going to want it 100% guaranteed contracts. I don't think all other quarterbacks are going to get that, but they're going to start pushing for that. But I also think really elite level defenders are also going to say, mm -hmm. hey, it's time to get closer to 100% guaranteed contracts. And if, and if I'm Aaron Donald and I'm doing a deal, I want it 100% guaranteed. So I, I think that'll factor too. If anybody could demand it, it's him. All right, so you already referenced Deshaun Watson. Let's take it there. Uh, up to now 24 separate lawsuits alleging yeah. sexual misconduct and sexual assault during massage therapy sessions. I guess the thing that jumps out to me more isn't even the increase in the lawsuit number. It's the aggressiveness in the court of public opinion on the part of Rusty Harden, who yeah. said that he was not going to play Tony Busby's game and try this in the press and he's gone the opposite extreme. What's yeah. your takeaway from everything that Harden has said lately, but also the fact that there are now two more uh, lawsuits added to the, the 22 that have been sitting there for a while? Right. Okay. So I'll give you two vantage points on this. Um, one coming from when these two first started facing off in, in March of 2021. I talked to another experienced litigator here in Texas who's friends with both and who says they're two of the best litigators that you could ever find. I mean, if you're fine, if like, if, if you're looking for lawyers, one, two, it would be Rusty, Tony, Tony, Rusty, whatever. Um, but he did say to me about Tony, so the thing about Tony is he blitzes you and just constantly comes at you until you make a mistake. He's like, he is, the things that he says overtly, um, the way he, he, you know, uses the media as a, as a tool to, roll out allegations or suits or whatever else that he feels is necessary. He says, even the most experienced litigators, if this goes on long enough, they make a mistake. And it's because of, of Tony's constant aggression um, in the media. 
And now he did say to me, I think I think Rusty is probably one of the experienced ones who, who can avoid that over the long term, but let's see. So you could look at it from that vantage and say, Tony has basically just kept coming like the tide and eventually Rusty was just like, okay, like I, we have to start responding to this because he's already beaten the narrative into the ground. Okay, like as far as at least their side, the allegations. Um, but I also think the other half of it you know, the other vantage point you could take on it is that Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson, that defense team, there have been certain things that have happened that they have not really commented on that I know clearly bothered. Like, first off, some of the leaking of the, the video depositions, okay? Like, Deshaun Watson had pieces of the video depositions leaked, which is, they're not under seal, so it's not illegal, but it's a huge breach of etiquette between the attorneys, Okay. Um, I frankly, I think that pissed off Rusty Hart. And he's like, okay, like, what are you doing? You're, you're going to start, we're going to sit for these depositions and you're going to start leaking them. You're going to, you know, take little snippets and leak them out. I think he was upset about that. I think, um, the fact that Tony Busby inserted the fact that there were settlement negotiations and he put the monetary amount out there in the 23rd lawsuit, when he said Deshaun Watson had offered at that time, the 22 plaintiffs, a hundred thousand dollars each to settle um, their suits. And that was something that occurred at the behest of the Miami Dolphins said, settle the lawsuits, settle the civil suits. I got into this with a multitude of sources about how this unfolded. The, the way it was described to me was, the Dolphins said, you gotta settle these suits for us to entertain this trade. Deshaun, um, his legal team, they did make the, that offer, $100,000 per plaintiff to get it settled. And that initially, as many as 20 of the 22 plaintiffs were on board with that global settlement. A little time passed and two others pulled away. So it ultimately ended being ended up being 18 that were willing to go for the global settlement, four who were not. And the Dolphins simply put, were like, no, it's, it's all or none. This is how this has got to be. And that's kind of how that happened. Anyway, that was all supposed to be confidential. And Tony Busby inserted it into the 23rd uh, lawsuit, this idea that Deshaun Watson had offered uh, each plaintiff $100,000. So wow. it, it's, I think that's part of why you're seeing this get contentious. But beyond that, let's be honest, it's been contentious from the start. I mean, Deshaun Watson's legal camp came out and said, called it a money grab. He, you know, they said these women are lying. Um, Tony Busby's camp has come out and said, you know, um, just talked about Deshaun being this is terrible person. And he's, you know, he basically set up all these women in these situations. Like it's, it has never been a clean process, but it's definitely getting to the point now where it is very overt. They're all taking to the media now very publicly and, and defending their stance and digging in. Yeah. Charles, when you, uh, whenever your vacation is planned, just, just keep in mind that there will be news on that day. Like, like the day you're going on vacation, something will break. And you're going to have a decision to make. And I'm going to tell you right now, go with your wife. <laughs> go with your wife. <laughs> Don't make the decision to mess up the vacation. Well, I can tell you this, this in particular, uh, when that real sports interview happened with, with two of the plaintiffs, the, the women who had filed suits against Deshaun Watson, I thought in my mind, this, and we talked about this, this is a new phase because you're starting to see some elements of what you would see in a courtroom. Well, one of the things that came out of that was a lawyer from from Deshaun Watson's defense team saying he has no regrets about anything that unfolded. And then you have two oh, subsequent lawsuits yeah. filed to you. And then you have two. Yeah, and he said that right when he was when he was introduced with the Cleveland Browns. 
Well, you have two subsequent lawsuits um, after that, both citing the fact that they saw these, this interview and that bothered them. And it, they felt compelled to, to, to come forward in a way that they had before. So as this becomes more public and media gets more and more involved, I don't know that we will necessarily stop at 24. Well, and there's an accusation, I believe in the 24th, that uh, he solicited uh, hundreds of massage o services? Over, over 100, over, yeah, over 100, on, 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 yeah, on social media, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for clarifying it, over 100. So uh, you might just, might want to get comfortable, you're right, it's, it's nowhere near resolution. Charles, thank you so much, brother, we love you, appreciate you. All right, thanks, guys. All right, Mike, uh, with the little time we have left before we call it a day, Couple of congratulations, you on the Sports Emmy for the Patriots pregame show at NBC Sports Boston, and Romeo Cornell for a 50-year NFL career. Happy retirement! That's awesome. Most respected Romeo. Coach Romeo. Congrats, Romeo.